Welcome back to the most accurate podcast here at 444 Football. As always, I'm your host, John Daigle, joined today by the man himself who continues to update projections around the clock as the news does not stop ever, John Paulson himself. How's it going, John? Going pretty good. And as I uh, pre- uh, predicted last week, we were coming back for one more free agent uh, coach speak podcast here before I go uh, to Maui on Saturday for a week. I'm excited about that. For some, it's opening day. For others, it is the week before the Masters. For you, it is a few hours before you leave for Maui. Yes, so congratulations to you. Uh, Hopefully, it slows down a bit while you're out and you won't have too much to catch up on because, if anything, we learned that the owners' meeting gave us more work. I didn't expect to get much news, honestly, but outside of Howie Roseman successfully pitching the use of the numeral zero for non-lineman players. And we've already seen Calvin Ridley take that on for his jersey with the Jaguars next year. Uh, also, Dan Campbell and the Lions shooting their shot on some great ideas, but getting turned down because the NFL still isn't progressive enough, like wanting unlimited challenges for everyone they win. So if you continue winning challenges, you just keep on getting them. Shot down, being able to challenge defensive penalties, Shot down. The owners didn't want any part of it. But we did get some other news. And that starts with Lamar Jackson requesting a trade via his agent, Twitter. And the funniest part was that it happened literally while John Harbaugh was sitting down for his conference and mentioning that Lamar Jackson is a great follow on Twitter. Of course, then Lamar releases the bomb that he wants out of Baltimore. So my issue with this, Paulson, because we've talked about Lamar Jackson in the past, is that the teams that would conceivably pitch in and get in on his non-exclusive franchise tag, which would then force them to hand over two first-round picks, continue to dwindle. Uh, The commanders already said they're out. The Colts said they're doing their work, and I do think they're the only other team besides Baltimore that could get get in here, and the Falcons have already said they're out. So despite the fact that everyone is jamming Lamar Jackson into these other teams, it's not happening. Like, they've already said, we're not interested in this player. It doesn't matter why they're not interested, whether it's collusion, whether it's because it actually doesn't match for their books, whatever the case, it's not happening. So what are your thoughts on Lamar Jackson now that we think, I don't know, I'd love to hear your your take on it. We think it's down to two teams. Well, it, you know, what, what are the two teams? Indianapolis and Baltimore is my guess. I would say I'm 90% sure he's going back to Baltimore, pissed off. Yeah, this is... The only thing that gives me pause here, you know, in terms of ranking Lamar Jackson, because that's what I have to do, is, you know, I saw a tweet. Uh, I think Pelissero was talking about the possibility of him sitting out the season instead of playing on the franchise tag uh, for the for the Ravens, and that obviously would be a disaster for his bank account uh, in the short term. <laughs> And then also his uh, fantasy value for 2023. So I'm starting to get a little worried that this could go sideways. Um, I don't, from a football standpoint, I don't get why more teams aren't willing to give him uh, a contract and then give up the two first rounders. And I think it's more about from just, you know, viewing this from the outside, it seems like it's more about the guaranteed requests and perhaps collusion within the owners saying we don't want these guaranteed contracts like the NBA. We want to be able to get out of them if the player gets injured, et cetera, because the position's so important. He's a former MVP. He's still in his prime. You know, they're, they're saying things like, Oh, he's injury prone. 
or whatever his style blah 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 that doesn't hold a lot of water given the importance of the position so i'm kind of surprised that somebody hasn't pulled the trigger but i think the complicating factor is that it's difficult to negotiate a contract with him because he's his own agent and he's got some business partner who's not credited as an agent supposedly talking to teams so it's just kind of a giant mess when it comes to jackson getting his fair market value in this situation so i would say i'm a little leery about his status for 2023 and if you think he's going back to baltimore for another year i can't imagine that he's going to be happy about that as you mentioned pissed off does he play through injuries does he you know try to I mean, I, I think he's a gamer and wants to win a Super Bowl, but is he really willing to lay it out on the line for a team that he doesn't believe will pay him his value? So it's kind of getting a little dicey, and I think that affects Mark Andrews, uh, specifically Rashad Bateman, uh, the offense in general. You know, what is their backup plan if Jackson is not playing? Um, and it's just not as good. Whoever they're going to have in there is not going to be as good as as he is. It looks like Huntley is still on the roster, so that's, that that's would be Pro Bowl. Uh, that's Pro Bowler Tyler Huntley to you. Right. I, I should put effect uh, <laughs> on that name. I, I don't know how he made the Pro Bowl, but uh, yeah. So I mean, that's what we were looking at. So I guess the good the good news is for Baltimore is they could just plug in a Pro Bowler. Uh, the bad news is is that it's Tyler Huntley. He's fine. He's a backup, but uh, you know you want if you're Mark Andrews' uh, manager, you want Lamar Jackson in there. Underdog's big board did close 118,000 entries by Thursday when they were trying to have that draft through the NFL draft at the end of April, which tells you how popular Best Ball and Underdog are all together. But as you mentioned, I think this news really revolves around not just Lamar Jackson, but Rashad Bateman. So I'm curious where you have Bateman ranked in your never-too-early rankings as best ball drafts continue to go on without the big board. Because for Lamar, yes, we have to wait and see on where he plays and if he plays. But I will continue to pound the, the mic and say that, remember, his last two seasons, he has quietly lacked a ceiling. He has just fought five top five finishes over his last 24 games. So I still think he's actually been overdrafted as the QB five and early drafts. But what do you think about Rashad Bateman right now with the ambiguous situation under center? Yeah, right now I have him at wide receiver 38. Uh, so he's behind uh, Deontay Johnson, Traylon Burks, Juju Smith-Schuster and Cortland Sutton. And he's ahead of Gabe Davis, uh, Jacoby Myers, George Pickens, Michael Thomas. So he's in there in that wide receiver, you know, low end or low end wide receiver three, high end wide receiver four type ranking right now. And some of that has to do with the fact that Jackson is disgruntled and, and looking elsewhere. And it's also known as the, I don't know what the hell to do with these guys tier. We'll get back to some more quarterback news in a bit, but I want to move on because Sean Payton, had a lot of things to say, first of all, including the fact that they think Jared Stidham, who, to be fair to him, did have one of the best starts somehow of last year against the best defense in San Francisco that came out of nowhere because the next week against the Chiefs, he wasn't that great. But Sean Payton did say Jared Stidham, they believe he could be a starter in this league. And remember, Stidham did sign for more than just backup money. As if Russell Wilson doesn't work out, insurance money, basically two years, $10 million. Payton also said, though, that we're not trading 
these two players and Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. I had been drafting both in best ball drafts, hoping that one or the other was traded because we've seen their target shares increase the last two seasons when they've been away from one another. Sutton, 22.7% target share. Judy, 18.3% the last two years when one has been off the field. However, when they've been on the field together, Sutton just a 15.2% target share and Judy 13%. So it, it drops dramatically. And yes, they've had poor quarterback play in that time. So your thoughts now that we believe both Judy and Sutton will be on Denver in week one. Yeah, I mean, it went from uh, we're going to trade one or both of these players to now we're keeping both. So Sean Payton must have watched the film and decided that uh, they were you know, both worth keeping. And, you know, Judy is coming off a a good season. He was wide receiver 21 uh, last year. Sutton obviously missed a lot of time with injuries. He was, uh, well, he missed some time with injuries. He was wide receiver 43, never really got uh, going with uh, Russell Wilson. A lot of really kind of subpar games. He did finish relatively strong. Um, he started strong and then finished relatively strong, but there was a, a period in the middle there where he had, uh, you know, sub five points in three straight games against the Chargers, Jets, and Jacksonville. Uh, his targets were kind of up and down, just looking at his game log right now. Uh, but, you know, I think Sean Payton's going to come in and fix this offense very likely and probably fix Russell Wilson. So I think both players are. Uh, certainly worth a look. You have to wonder what else they're going to add. I know they added uh, Mar- Marquez Callaway. Uh, they still have Tim Patrick coming back, but I think that uh, with with uh, uh, Peyton coming out and talking about Judy and Sutton, they'll be able to uh, feature them both. And then, they, of course, they have Greg Dolchich at tight end. So if, if Russell Wilson gets back to his you know Seattle-type efficiency and uh, you know I don't know how much they're going to run the ball, um, down the throat of the defense, given the fact that Javante Williams is coming off the ACL and they signed a pass catching uh, Samaj P. Ryan. You know, this might be a fairly pass heavy offense that, uh, you know, a lot of attempts for Wilson and that could benefit uh, all the pass catchers. Marcus Calloway, of course, interesting because he did have seven top 36 finishes as at least a wide receiver three in fantasy in his final year under Sean Payton just two years ago. So perhaps he's revigorated as the team's third receiver if Judy and Sutton are sticking around. Russell Wilson also going in the 10th round, which leads me to the next bit of news because 49ers head coach Kyle Shanahan came out and said Trey Lance was going in the ninth round right now in underdog, and Sam Darnold will split first team reps throughout training camp. John Lynch also, because they all have to speak on this matter, said Brock Purdy has earned the right to be the starter in 2023. So that tells us, Paulson, that if Purdy were healthy, and right now, given his nine-month timeline by people that know these things better than I do, that would put him back around week three through five, perhaps, mid-year. Uh, so I, it's still highly questionable that Purdy's ready for week one. So now we have this ambiguous situation with Lance and Darnold. So what are you doing with this? And I do know in your rankings, so we talked about this a few weeks ago, you were already much lower on consensus on Lance, given the fact that he may just not start, honestly. Yeah, I mean, he's. I, I when this news came out, I went to go look at uh, underdog ADP because that's fun to do. And I just tweeted out, he's 
Lance is going QB 14. Uh, we don't even know if he's going to start over Sam Darnold. Uh, the, the, the powers that be are saying that Brock Purdy's ahead of him. So like you might have a situation where he wins the starting job in September in the offseason. He, you know, maybe should beat out Sam Darnold. I mean, Dan- Darnold did a little bit better last year when he came back. Uh, and obviously Shanahan has had a lot of success, uh, success taking quarterbacks, you know, mid career and, and, you know, doing good work with them. And it's a very quarterback friendly offense as we know, but, you know, so you might end up in a situation where Lance, you know, Purdy's still out. Lance starts in September and, you know, all these people have drafted him QB 14 ahead of guys like Aaron Rodgers, Jared Goff, Geno Smith. Uh, who was great last year and re-signed and is in the same system he was last year, going QB 17. Russell Wilson, QB 18 now with a, a fresh offensive mind there, uh, Sean Payton. So those guys specifically, I'm really surprised that uh, you know Lance is going ahead. I could see him as a QB 2, 3, 4 dart throw, but uh, you know, as your you know, if you're if you're drafting two and maybe he's your second, or if you're waiting on quarterback and he's your QB one, that seems really really optimistic about his uh, ability to win and hold on to that job because all it takes is a bad September or a couple of so-so games and Brock Purdy's back and there are, you know, they they all they do is remember what he did at the end of this last year and want to put him back in. So uh, I, I I think it's a bad idea to be drafting uh, Trey Lance QB fourteen. Frank Reich spoke on how they're going to use DJ Shark after handing Shark for the second year in a row uh, his fully guaranteed contract. It was $10 million with the Lions. This year it's one year, $5 million guaranteed with the Panthers. And Reich said, we want to develop him into a complete receiver and widen his route tree. It's not just going to be all the vertical stuff downfield, which tells you, one, he's going to be an every-down player, presumably, and two, that's interesting because last year he was a vertical threat, and that's all he was. Uh, he was 16th in the league among all wide receivers and tar- target rate 20 yards downfield, and that did allow him to spike four top 24 finishes with the Lions. What's interesting about that as well is if, if we're assuming C.J. Stroud is the number one overall pick, Stroud did lead this class in completion rate, 51%, on throws 20 yards deep. So your thoughts now on D.J. Shark and did Fry words move the needle for you yeah i think uh it does it does indicate that they have big plans for him and you kind of go you look you think that dj chark's kind of i don't know washed or he's been around forever or whatever but he's only turning 27 in september uh and i think we were probably expecting more out of him in detroit but he you know played 11 games 500 yards with three touchdowns Uh, obviously there's uh, a lot going on, a lot of moving pieces in Detroit. Plus, he was in and out of the lineup with the with injuries, and he's only a few years removed from his 73 catch, 1,008 yard, eight touchdown sophomore season for for Jacksonville. And then he had 93 targets the following year, 53 for 706 and five, and that was Gardner, you know, Minshew. Uh, it was before Trevor Lawrence got there, and then in, in his third or his fourth season with Jacksonville, he only played four games. So he's been a, a typically a you know a sophomore season, 67 yards receiving on average, uh, third season, 54 yards on average, and then 38 and uh, 46 over the last two seasons. And I think going uh, you know to, to Carolina and having all these targets up for grabs, 
certainly, you know, I'm more excited about his upside than I am Adam Thielen. I think Thielen, you know, can do some damage in, in PPR formats, but uh, I think in half PPR for sure, I would have Chark, you know, ranked over Thielen. Uh, just, I think there's still some upside here given his age and uh, likely role in this offense. Rams head coach, Sean McVay, came out and said there will be no limitations on Matthew Stafford in training camp and in 2023. So we expect him to be back completely healthy. And now we are one year removed, one season removed from the regression we knew what happened. I wrote about this in my team preview last year for the Rams and why I was out on Matthew Stafford after two years ago, him finishing with a career high touchdown rate, his third most points per game in fantasy for his career, and also throwing five touchdowns on seven attempts from the goal line. Pretty much the Jamal Williams of quarterbacking two years ago. And then he got injured last year. Nonetheless, the regression came through the air. But this isn't about Stafford bouncing back this year. It's about Stafford bouncing back and then bringing along Cooper Cup, Tyler Higby, and others with them. So I'm really curious on your early thoughts on Cooper Cup, because remember, when we saw Cooper Cup last, even last year, Stafford played six healthy games. Cup went over 105 of those games, and he averaged double-digit targets. So he was still the Cooper Cup that was expected to compete, if not outscore Justin Jefferson, had Stafford stayed healthy last year. Yeah, you brought up the, the touchdown rate, and the touchdown rate in uh, 2021 for Stafford was 6.8%. That was a career high. He had 6.5% uh, his second-to-last season in Detroit, but he only played eight games that year. Uh, so he, he has a career 4.7 touchdown rate. So I, and last year it was 3.3. So what I think we're, you know, he regressed last year. I think he's going to regress back in a positive manner. I call it a positive regression. That gets a lot of people upset sometimes on Twitter, uh, calling it positive regression. People uh, upset but, on Twitter. Are you sure? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They, yeah, they get really upset, especially about positive regression anyway, and other things as well. Um, so I think, you know, if, if cup comes back healthy, you know, they have to address their number two receiver. Allen Robinson did not work out. I think they're trying to, to look at a trade uh, there for him. He might get cut. Uh, they, 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 I saw Sean McVay talked about uh, Odell Beckham and loving him. So it is a bit of a concern there given the depth at receiver. They do have some other guys, Tutu Atwell and Van Jefferson, who could step in. But uh, you'd like to see a little, you know, more talent at that wide receiver two spot. Um I think this whole offense should be better. Sean McVay stuck around thinking that he could turn this thing back around and retire. So, uh, you know, I think as long as Stafford's healthy, he should be in that QB2 mix, but maybe not uh, a high-end QB2. I mean, I think it's interesting maybe to discuss Trey Lance versus Matthew Stafford. I mean, I, I would think Matthew Stafford should probably go ahead if if Stafford is for sure not going to have any limitations uh, with that uh, throwing throwing arm. And I would imagine, given their depth chart, as you mentioned, the Rams will add to their wide receivers room in the draft or late into the offseason, maybe even Odell Beckham returning. As McFay mentioned, they have been talking to him, um, especially since they are still looking to trade Allen Robinson or willing to eat a portion of his contract. So I'm still taking Papa shots late on Van Jefferson, thinking Allen Robinson won't be there. But I, I think there's going to be another player in their 11 personnel, three wide sets that isn't on the depth chart just yet. So it's a hard, hard notion to really uh, stack Stafford around. 
Saints head coach, Dennis Allen, said Michael Thomas is not, I repeat, not 100%, and they will be cautious and take it slow with him. And honestly, Paul said, I don't know what the hell to do with this, considering we really haven't seen Michael Thomas play professional football in basically two years. Like He had a couple touchdowns last year in the season opener, but beyond that, really wasn't a usable player. So your thoughts, and are you in and out on his current ADP? Yeah, I just was scrolling uh, to see his current ADP. Wide receiver, 48, uh, going, you know, right around pick 99. Uh, So that's in the, what, ninth round, early ninth round. Uh, I think that's a reasonable price for a player of his sort of upside, but the just the understanding that he's likely, or there's a chance, there's a, a non-zero chance that he's, you know, missing six games, he's playing half the season, he's hobbled, uh, he just hasn't been healthy for a long time, and you wonder if he's going to be come back and be the Michael Thomas that we saw who is, you know, can't guard Mike uh, was legit. Like he couldn't cover him, you know, looking at some of these other guys going below him, Jacoby Myers joining Vegas, Elijah Moore joining Cleveland, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, I think is a good pick, you know, as the de facto wide receiver one for new England, you know, you're getting into the Darnell Mooney's the KJ Osborne's. Uh, so I think that this is a reasonable area to be picking up some shares of, uh, of Thomas, if you want to bet on that upside, it's just, I wouldn't go too heavy because of what's transpired the last couple of years. And finally, we know amid the owners meetings, Irv Smith finally found a team and signing a one-year contract. The details haven't been released just yet, but it's certainly a one-year deal with the Bengals. This will only be Irv's age 25 season as he turns 25 in August. Um, so you would think as a 6'2", 242-pound athlete on his second contract, perhaps it is a second life. And that's why I'm curious to get your thoughts on his early outlook because it's not like for Dalton Schultz, for example, I still argue he could easily lead the team in targets. That's what makes me higher on him. But we know Irv Smith is not going to lead the target team in targets around Jamar Chase and presumably T. Higgins still being on the team. So your thoughts on the landing spot for Irv? Well, I think we were excited about Irv last year as a breakout candidate. Uh, He did have, uh, I mean, I think he came back late last year, did he? I think. Yeah, and by that time, by that time, they had traded for T.J. Hawkinson, who was an every-down player. So he caught a touchdown in the playoffs. Irv did, but it was a very limited role. It was before then, before trading for Hawkinson, when one he got injured again, and two, that's when he was averaging. Uh, he was 22nd among all tight ends and target per route run rate. And were we, did we come into that season last year with him coming off injury? Weren't sure if he was going to be ready to go week one. He played 31% of the snaps week one and had a goose egg against the Packers. Of course, Justin Jefferson had 5,000 yards that game, I think, receiving. But after that, he settled into a pretty sizable role. Uh, eight targets, six targets, four targets, five targets, four, four. Um, he caught two touchdowns in that span. He went over 20 yards, five out of six games and caught a touchdown in the other game. So he was, you know, getting involved before that injury uh, and then the trade uh, for Hawkinson. Uh, So I I do think he has some talent. I think he's got some juice as a runner, 4.63, 40 yard dash. Uh, Not, you know, he's a good, this is the, this is the age that tight ends can break out. So the reason I think this is a good landing spot, it's not because he's going to see, uh, uh, you know, number two targets on the team. That's either going to 
be T Higgins or, or Jamar Chase. Um, but uh, you know, you look at what Hayden, <coughs> excuse me, Hayden Hurst, uh, was uh, the tight end 21 on a per game basis uh, last year with the Bengals. And he doesn't have as much speed or, uh, you know, yak ability as Smith does. So I think this is a good spot from that standpoint. He should play a lot beyond the field quite a bit. And he's either going to be the number three or number four option in the passing game, uh, depending on uh, how much they target Tyler Boyd and Boyd seems to pop his head up with a big game here and there, but uh, you know, Hayden Hurst was fairly involved uh, on a weekly basis. And I think that's a, a good role for, for Smith. So I, I think this is a pretty good, he's a tight end two for me now. I uh, went from tight end three to tight end two, because he actually signed into a starting role. That's a fair outlook because I was going to be a little bit higher on him. And then I started digging in because of, as you mentioned, Hurst's involvement last year, because before Hurst suffered that calf injury, that basically it didn't end a season. He returned for the playoffs, but he wasn't the same player, even in earning targets. Uh, he had earned 5.4 targets per game through week 13 before that injury. And so I went looking and thought, okay, Irv Smith can probably just land into that. But then you look and see Burrow actually did target his tight ends at the second lowest rate in the league. And so, yes, I don't think he is the low end tight end one like everyone's jamming him in to be, but no competition in that Bengals tight ends room and should take on Hurst's role. So, yes, I agree. Uh, tight end two joining the pile of them that we will me, certainly discuss throughout the off season. Let me ask you this, like, you know, Mike Gusecki signed with the, with the Patriots, you know, Mike Gusecki or Irv Smith, which one, you know, which one would you draft? I think it has to be Irv, even though, well, it doesn't have to be because is still a freak athlete. Second contract for just a one year deal. That's a good question. They're probably yeah. right next to each other. Honestly, you do have Hunter, I was, you do have Hunter Henry still there, but Johnny Smith has moved on. So there, you know, there are tight end snaps available, but you also do have Henry per, perhaps getting more targets in Gesicki. I was more excited about Gesicki before he got a landing spot. I was drafting him as a free agent, <laughs> and then then he signed with the team. I was like, oh no, that's not what I wanted. So that's not what you want. Uh, the fact that Hunter Henry is a touchdown machine is certainly worrisome. It's I, I think they're just going to cannibalize one another. But and you know, it's only March in situations where we're looking at players outlooks and range of outcomes knowing anything can happen in the nfl in the offseason like certainly just sicky like if hunter henry's ever out it's just going to run wild i would imagine so uh high on all just take all of them with that being said what else do you have on the site for everyone right now uh we published uh fantasy free agent free agency winners and losers uh so you can get my take on most of the signings and uh trades and things that have happened uh, over the last few weeks and uh, I've just started, I tweeted about it yesterday, I just started uh, updating the weekly uh, projections equations, which is something I do every three years. And I'm actually was pretty excited about doing it this year because uh, I'm going to just use the last two years of data and, and kind of get rid of that uh, COVID year where offenses went crazy, there were no fans in the stands. Uh, so it was really historically kind of, think, low penalties called as well. Yes. Football, football was fun during COVID. Bring the pandemic yeah. back. Yeah, well, uh, let's, let's hope that doesn't happen. But uh, yeah, I, I, I'm excited about it because now I, I think our, our uh, weekly projections will be even better. And uh, going through that process, getting rid of that COVID year, I think will help uh, things overall on the site. I'm excited to see the outcome. The free agent tracker, although free agency has basically come to a standstill. We're about wrapped up here. Uh, also still on the site, as well as our player profiles, fantasy fallouts. I just wrote up one on Samaji Piran for everyone free on the site. So until then, until we're back next week with guests to talk with you, you know.
Economy with Supply.